0: Alright, well welcome back everyone. Welcome to a brand new year. It is 2023 and there is just a lot of fun things that we're going to be doing this year at Missio Church. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We do have a new theme that's actually going to drive really everything about our year together. And that theme is called Seeking God's Kingdom First. And just kind of off the bat, I have to say that this is an ambitious theme for really several reasons. First, the idea of kings and kingdoms, uh, it's just not something that we're very familiar with in in our world today. But secondly, this is an idea that people have been trying to wrap their heads around for generations. And there are a lot of differing opinions on what the kingdom of God is and how we as Christians as people of faith uh, participate in that kingdom and so this is a big theme and it's a big undertaking you know, the language and idea of kingship and kingdoms of rulers and reigns it's all over scripture the word Christ itself actually means messiah or the anointed one and he was anointed as king The language of scripture assumed that the people who were reading would have had a framework for understanding things like kingship and kingdoms. And I think some of the things that we struggle with in 2023 have been kind of having been generationally removed from actual real royal type languages and cultures and things like that. Is that we just don't readily hear and process all that's happening. And being described in Scripture when it comes to uh, the kingdom, because scripture will often assume that the people who are reading it understood kingdom concepts because that was the framework of life for them, but it's not really the framework for us, is it? and so we often miss what feels like the subtle kingdom language pieces that would have been quite obvious you know to people. 2,000 years ago. So anyways, on that note, we want to take a stab at trying to understand what the kingdom of God is as a church all year and how we participate in that. And And one way to start this conversation is to set out some definitions. Defining things helps us all start and end, I think, on the same page. And so just a question for you to be pondering, when you guys think of the word kingdom, what comes to mind for you is it castles or armies or battles or swords and knights and princesses and all those things i think it's partially those things in our kind of our physical world but it's a lot more than that when it comes to the kingdom and you know uh, one way to define an idea i think is to first state what that idea actually is not which then helps us eliminate some big options. And so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we aren't talking about heaven. We aren't talking about a political party or a political orientation. We aren't talking about countries like the United Kingdom and others like it. We're not talking about uh, simply an internal reality of God within the individual. And we aren't talking even specifically about the church. The kingdom of God, let me... I need you to hear this. The kingdom of God reaches into each of those spaces, but it is not isolated to just one of those. So what are we talking about? You know, for me, and this is just for me, the most simple way to understand the kingdom is to think of it both as a spiritual and a physical reality. Where the people of God are living the way of Jesus that shapes and changes everything in its path. And I realize that's probably very generic. And I'm going to be honest with you, defining the kingdom in a single sentence has been really challenging for me. And I am anticipating that I'm going to be learning more and more and will better be able to define kingdom as we go throughout this year together. But you need to hear me say this very clearly, that I I am learning right alongside of you all this year. I think part of my role, and really anyone who is going to be teaching this year, their role, is to do our best to study, to think, to pray, to try and wrap our minds around this so that we can share what God is revealing to us in the moment, but we don't have everything figured out. I can't answer with perfect clarity all the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But I think that's the point, though, isn't it? The point of a church walking through this stuff together is so that we then together can discover more about the kingdom of God. So I'm learning just like all of us are learning. And so again, at this point of my life, for me, the easiest way to understand the kingdom is to think of it both as a spiritual and a physical reality where the people of God are living the way of Jesus that will shape and change everything in its path. And there are actually four, I think, very tangible characteristics of any kingdom, every kingdom, but specifically about the kingdom of God. And these will be things that we look at over the next few weeks together. But every kingdom has four main things that are a part of it that help shape and define it. There is a king, there is a people, there is a land, and there is a law. These four things help to create a framework for what kingdoms actually entail. And it's certainly true for the kingdom of God, but perhaps in different ways than, say, the earthly kingdoms around us. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be defining the kingdom of God using these four elements of all kingdoms to help us do that. But before we get to those four, the the king, people, land, and law... We want to give a bigger picture, this 30,000 foot view of what the kingdom is. And we're going to do that by looking at a kind of big theological idea about the kingdom called the already not yet idea. Which basically means the kingdom of God is something that will happen more fully in the future, but still exists right now in the present moment. If you remember, we talked during Advent about the first advent and the second advent, that Jesus' first arrival brought the kingdom of God in powerful and unique ways. And and Jesus' second advent, his second coming, is going to make all things new. So how many of you guys like setting New Year's resolutions? Like you just can't wait to get to New Year's because you think, all right, New Year, New Me. New Year's creates this natural place for people to dream a little bit. Here here's what I want to be this year. I want to, you know, lose weight, which is always a very popular one. I want to sell a certain number of houses. I want to be more aware of my family. I want to, you know, fill in the blank for yourself. And what tends to happen is that we imagine ourselves different from where we are currently and decide to work towards change. I think within Inherently, within that is the sense that I am not yet who I will become this year, but I'm starting the journey right now. You know, I coach CrossFit uh, on the side during the week, and and anybody that comes to work out with me, I tell them, uh, you know, I I give them several, I just tell them, you know, look, give yourself several months before you're going to actually see real changes fitness wise. You know, Health and fitness do not occur overnight, but also your ideal healthy self doesn't take place only when you reach your goal. You are becoming healthier with each small step that you take toward your desired level of fitness. So you are both not yet fit, as you want to be, but also you're already more fit than you were the day before. I remember when we first started meeting as Missio in our house as a group of like eight or nine, I don't remember how many it was, individual people doing a Bible study on Sunday evenings, and this was long before Missio launched as a church. We were excited, we were feeling like, all right, here's a small group of people that are on board with starting this thing, but every time we would talk to people who were not a part of that small little team, and especially if they were people that were living in different parts of the country, one of the things that we would hear them say a lot was things like, when Missio becomes a church, then, and then they would fill in the rest of that statement with whatever it was that they were thinking in the moment, right? So when Missio becomes a church, we will attend. When Missio becomes a church, we will support you. When Missio becomes a church, you know, etc., etc. And I remember a very distinct moment when I was kind of venting my frustration with that kind of language to a mentor friend of mine. And my friend said, you know what? It doesn't matter that other people don't see what you do as being the church yet. You know that this is a church. Countless churches around the world start with just a few people meeting in a room somewhere to worship and to pray to God. And I remember thinking, you know what? He's right. This is church right now. It may not look like what it will become, but it doesn't change the fact that right now this is Missio. And that version of Missio at the very beginning is going to continue to look different as we continue to discover where Jesus is leading us. There is a truth that who we are as a church is not yet the fullness of what God is shaping us into, and yet we are without a doubt a church, just as much as we were when it was just seven or nine of us meeting in our living room in Haller Lake in North Seattle. But there are countless things in life that are being shaped and changed into the fullness of what they are meant to be. But it in no way means that they are not already those things right now, even as they are continuing to grow and develop and mature. I was thinking about when Laura and I got married 16 and a half years ago. We said those kind of very standard vows that we would love each other you know, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, through sickness and health, till death do us part. And the truth is that the fullness of our marriage has yet to be realized. We are still growing and maturing in our marriage together, (laughs) meaning we have been poor. We have been sick and healthy. We've lived through some better and worse moments. We're still waiting, though, for two things to be rich and to die. And until those moments actually happen, then our marriage is continuing to grow and develop and change and become more of the fullness of what it has always been meant to be. But we're not there yet. And the fact that we haven't achieved the fullness of what our marriage is moving toward doesn't mean that we aren't married right now. We're still married, but our marriage is is only a 16-year-old teenager, still growing and maturing. And so all year we're going to be looking at this idea of the kingdom as something that is already here. It's right now. It's among us. But it is also not yet here in the way God fully intends for it to be. And all throughout human history, we can see, and we're going to look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, how God has been moving and working to bring the fullness of the reality of his kingdom into this reality for all people, for all time. But that fullness, is it's still out there. It has not yet taken place. There is a reason God chose this kind of language and structure to define his relationship between his people and himself. And it's not to confuse us or to think... Or to cause us to think of King George from the musical Hamilton drooling all over himself. I think the reason the language of king and kingdom is used so much all throughout the Bible is to help us understand the nature of God's desire to bring all creation back under his rule and reign. Not as some oppressor or tyrant, but to bring all life back to its original purpose and its intended beauty as beloved members of God's family. Remember, this was the reality of the garden where God created all things to experience the fullness and goodness, the nearness and joy of God, which was shattered by humanity choosing to walk away from God. But it's being restored through the reign and rule of Jesus. This is why, as we're going to discover this year, Jesus talks more about the kingdom than anything else in his teaching. And Jesus would consistently point towards this already, not yet reality to say, look, the kingdom is at hand. It's now, it's here, but it's also not yet fully been unleashed the way that it will be when I, when Jesus, one day returns to make all things new, to restore all things. You know, one of the things, one of the most well-known teachings of Jesus that shows this idea of the already not yet kingdom is from his Sermon on the Mount. And so in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 through 13, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And we've looked at this passage, you know, a lot over the past year as a church, but it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. You know, there is a truth that any statement of a desired future carries with it the sense that that desired future is both something that has not yet happened, while at the same time is something that we can begin to live into in the present moment. So take Missio's mission statement as an example. We exist as Missio as a church to love God, love people, and awaken a movement. This mission statement describes the desired future for us as a church, that we will become a church that lives fully into loving God and loving others and has done the work of continuing the to awaken the movement of Jesus in our city. But we have to ask the question, have we reached the fullness of this mission as a church? Like for rules, have we actually done it? Have we accomplished our mission in full? And of course the answer is no, we haven't. Because I don't know about you, but there are many moments in my life where I find myself not loving God, not loving people around me, not pursuing Jesus' movement in my city. And yet this doesn't mean that I'm not still living within the truth of this mission each day as I strive to do things that define what a life lived in that reality looks like. So things like prayer, spending time with God, spending time with people, encouraging people, sharing the truth of Jesus' love for people uh, with those around me. We use the language of going on a journey a lot at Missio to describe what it means to be a people who pursue loving God and loving people and awakening a movement of Jesus. We're all at different places along that journey, but we are headed in the same direction together. And so the mission of Missio is both something that has not yet been fully implemented, it's not been fully realized, but it's also something that we can and are living into right now as Jesus is moving us step by step closer to the fullness of that mission. Jesus is saying, look, our prayers as people of faith should be centered on inviting God to bring the kingdom here in this place as it is in heaven, which we realize probably isn't going to happen anytime, anytime soon. But we can still invite God to create that reality among us. And Jesus says the kingdom is, is also already here. And here are some ways you can actively participate in the kingdom right now. He says, I want you to pray for these things. Pray first in, in the kingdom. You can and should ask God to provide for you as a community right now. I think part of living in the kingdom of God is about a a community trusting in the generosity of God to provide for us, to care for a city, which implies a dependency on God's activity among us. He is here and he's active, so trust in his generosity towards us. He says, second, the kingdom now is about forgiveness. So pray to God to forgive us us our debts our wrongs our moments when we just simply don't get it right as we then turn and do the same for those around us and i think this one's actually a really hard one and we're going to talk some about this next week in in the in the teaching then but there is a truth that the kingdom seeks to create reconciliation between humanity and god but also between us and other people first corinthians 5 5, verses 17 to 21 says so if anyone is in christ There is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Paul is saying, look, we are reconciled to God because of Jesus, but there is still work to be done in us. There is this notion of an ongoing process of becoming what Jesus has made us into. We aren't there yet. We were still new creations because of Jesus. And then he says, thirdly, the kingdom now is a place where God is king, not society, not culture or politics or wealth or entertainment or work or whatever it is. Again, we're going to talk some about this next week, that those are not unimportant things to God, but in the kingdom of God, there is one king and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, pray that you be tempted to place, not to place these other things as king over your life. But again, we're going to talk some about the already kingdom next week and impact those more. Jesus is trying to get his disciples to grasp this idea that part of their role is to pray and to work toward the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven. And this is both something that is far off in the future, but it's also something that is now and is near. And part of what we do in this already kingdom is we pray for provision. We pray for forgiveness and reconciliation, and we pray that we would remain faithful to God as king. And these lead us with intention toward the not-yet-future reality of the kingdom. So what is this not-yet-kingdom Jesus is talking about? We're going to spend the last little bit looking at what this not-yet-kingdom is. In Revelation 21, verses 3-7, through is this kind of picture of this not-yet-kingdom. It says, see... The home of God is among mortals he will dwell with we he will dwell with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their god he will wipe every tear from their eyes death will be no more mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away and the one who was, was seated on the throne said see i'm making all things new also he said write this for these words are trustworthy and true then he said to me it is done I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. John then goes on to describe this image of the new Jerusalem, adorned in in glory and splendor, where the Lamb, who is Jesus is the temple of God, and the kings of the nations and all the people of the nations will come into the presence of the glory and honor of the king to worship and live. Jesus says, I am making all things new. This word new carries the connotation of being better than it was. A better and and new condition than it has been. In the kingdom now, we're praying for provision, for forgiveness, for faithfulness. But in the not yet kingdom, there's not going to be any need for prayers for daily provision. There's not going to be any need for prayers of forgiveness and reconciliation. There's not going to be any need for prayers to remain faithful to Jesus as king because Jesus will have done the work to make all things new, to set all things right. We won't have any need to pray for those things because they will be fully complete in the second coming of Jesus. You know, if you guys remember the movie Braveheart about William Wallace's resistance to King Edward's rule uh, of Scotland. The movie portrays with, I'm sure, a bit of flair, I assume, the persistent hatred of Wallace by King Edward. So much so that even as King Edward is sick and dying, he has this hatred and rage for Wallace that is keeping him going just a little bit longer. So I think the, the brokenness of our humanity leads earthly kings and people in power to often seek more power and position at the expense of their people, and, and again, at the expense of people they don't even rule. Greed and manipulation, evil abound, and we see it throughout human history. And Revelation is a book showing the nature of Jesus as king, not as a domineering tyrant who rules with his iron fist, but rather as the slaughtered lamb who willingly laid his own life down for the restoration of all things to make all things new to restore all things to a new and better condition that reflects the original moments of creation in the garden from genesis 1 but the real difference between genesis 1 and revelation 21 is that there was sin there was brokenness that changed life on earth And the story of the Bible between Genesis 1 and Revelation 21 is a story of God moving his kingdom along to slowly, bit by bit, to be restored, to be made new, to reflect the intention of the garden, but filled with the diversity of the nations coming together to worship a good king whose rule is marked by sacrificial love for his kingdom and all that is in it. And Jesus is telling his disciples, this is what we are praying for when we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying an acknowledgement that we understand that this reality right now is not the perfect reality that God intends to bring about when Jesus returns that the new Jerusalem where all the nations of the earth and all of our diversity will stand before the temple, the throne and the lamb, Jesus himself sitting on it. And we will worship and declare him as King, a good King who wipes away every tear, who mends all brokenness and heals all wounds, who puts things back together the way they were intended to be. And yet we can still pray that glimpses of that not-yet-kingdom reality of goodness be brought into our present reality. So we pray for things like daily provision, because in the future kingdom, God will fully provide in His kingdom. We pray for forgiveness and reconciliation in a hurting and broken world, because we know that in the future kingdom, all will be healed and made new. We pray to remain faithful, because we know that the future kingdom will be filled with the constant, undeniable presence of God. The kingdom of God is both something we are striving and moving towards that has not yet fully been made known but will one day be known when Jesus returns and makes all things new. But just because this is a not yet future-oriented reality doesn't mean it isn't also already in the here and the now. Next week, our teaching is going to look a little bit more at what that already kingdom looks like. And really, just a lot of Jesus' teachings will spend so much time helping people understand this, uh, that this, this is what it looks like to be involved in the kingdom of God right now, right here. Thank you for being a part of Miss You, and thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone.